All right, if you turn with me this morning, we're going to start in Romans 10. We'll be starting in Romans 10. And uh, I kind of changed up. I changed up this morning kind of where I was going with this. This was like where I was going to start, and we were going to do a whole other part. But I really felt like that God was laying on my heart to just kind of stay on this same thing and hit this one thing. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to be in Romans 10, verse 8. And today I just want to spend a few minutes and talk to you about the Word. When I say the Word, probably what pops in your mind if you've been in church or you've probably thought of the Bible or the Word. But I want to talk to you about the Word. I want you to think about a Word. The power of a Word. The power of your words that you choose to speak. The last Word. The first Word. You know, those can be pretty important. You know, the first word that you choose to speak in a conversation can set the tone for the whole conversation. Right? The first word that you choose to speak can determine whether that's going to be a discussion or an argument. Right? So it's important. The first word. The last word. Are you the kind of person that has to have the last word? I got to have the last word no matter what. How powerful is a word? You see, I don't even think we really fully grasp how powerful our words are. How much damage we can do with our words or how much good we can do with our words. Either way, a lot of words we just waste. I, I, I probably waste so many words on just nonsense. right? But if we really realized, oh, my wife's amen. There's a time to say amen. <laughs> She said, oh, yeah, yeah, amen, that's good, yeah. He does waste a lot of words on nonsense. (laughs) You see, a word starts with a thought, but it gains creative power when you speak it. The Bible teaches us that. We are created in the image of God. And when we agree with God, when we agree with something that God said, you know, that's all, that's all prophecy is, is just restating that which God has already said. So when God says something, whether it's through his word or whether you heard it through a pastor or a friend or somebody said to you, hey, God said this, and then you repeat what God said and it was the word of God, that's a prophecy is you repeating what God said. But the most powerful words you can speak is when you are speaking something that God said because you're in agreement with God. So God's creative words are coming out of your mouth and your ears hear it and it becomes a powerful thing. Your words gain creative power when you speak them. So I guess today um, I'm going to play this short little video clip that we got. And I want you to know that some things in life are voice activated. Playing jazz. Smoothie. Making smoothie. Calendar. No meetings today. Remember, dentist at 9.30. Fire off. Fire off. Open door. Door open. And we're going to do one more. Oh, yeah. Open door. Wrong voice command. Open door. Wrong voice command. Open. Open door. Repeat that. Open door. I didn't understand that. 
certain things in life that are voice activated right? but if you're not speaking plainly or you don't know the language to use or you don't realize the key that you hold right he keeps saying open door open door and his neighbor just walked in with the key so today I'm going to show you some keys that Jesus says are ours like we can we hold the keys to the kingdom the kingdom of heaven is not for one day when we die and go to heaven the kingdom is here and now and we've been given keys and to unlock the keys to the kingdom and to unlock your faith it's your words it's what you choose to do with your words those are your keys and so I'm going to show you some scriptures and some verses about that and stuff but I need you to understand if you sound like you just came from the dentist or you're not using the right words you're not going to activate the things that you need to activate God wanted us to know how to use words. And Jesus wanted his disciples to know the power of their words. We're about to look at that. But if you don't have the right words or your speech is slurred, then you could be in your house, right? Living in your world where you're supposed to be and not getting what you want or what you need. What do you need to be in a relationship? A marriage relationship, a friendship, a work, any kind of relationship. If you go look it up, all the studies will tell you, and you've probably already heard it, and you probably already know, the number one thing you need to have a good relationship is communication. I'm sure we, you've probably all heard that before. If you go look it up, that's the number one thing that's going to pop up, no matter if you're talking in Christian setting, a secular setting, go look it up, what marriage counselors, all the stuff, that's the number one thing is you need to have good communication. So we talk about relationship all the time. Relationship with God, relationship with each other, that's what we're designed for. So we need to have good communication or we can't have good relationship. And the number one way that humans communicate is through words. We use our words. That's the number one way. That's what separates us from the animals. We have words. We've been given the power of words. I can stand up here with a microphone and say a bunch of words that I feel like God wanted me to say and put together, and it can inspire you. Right? It can move you to change. It can stir your faith. It can grow you. It, and you have the power of words as well. We all do, but what will you choose to do with your words? You ever heard a, a mom or an adult say to a little kid, use your words. They're screaming or pitching a fit or just say, use your words. Tell me what you need. Right? It's easy to be just led by our emotions and act how we feel. Or we can learn to communicate learn how powerful your words are 
See, a word starts as a thought, but it gains creative power when you speak it. They say that seeing is believing, but I've found that hearing is believing. Look at Romans 10. Romans 10, verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. It's in your heart or in your mind, the core of man. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now look at what verse 9 says. That if thou shalt confess or speak the word. So it's in your heart, it's in your mind. But if you speak it, if you confess it with your mouth, right, it's got to come out. The Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So if you believe it in your heart, it comes out your mouth. If you really believe something, if you really got faith in your heart, you really, if you believe in Jesus, then you're going to confess it. Like it's going to come out your mouth. Luke uh, 6.45 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I can't walk around filling up my heart. And, and when it keeps saying heart, it's talking to the core of man, your mind. So I can't walk around all day feeding garbage into my mind and the abundance of my heart, of my core, of my soul is just full of garbage and then expect when I open my mouth for life to come out. Right, for Jesus to come out when I open my mouth when all I've done all weekend is just fill it with junk. I can't expect for good words to pop out when I open my mouth if I've not been filling it with good. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But if you believe it, if you confess it with your mouth, it says, you shall be saved. See, it's not just what you do with it. It's what you put in it. I can run around saying all the right things, right? I can run around saying what I think I'm supposed to say, but if I'm feeling it, constantly filling my mind with junk, eventually it's not going to work. Right? I can have a pretty good workout program, but if I'm filling myself with junk all the time, it's kind of counterproductive. Right? It, it's hard. If I'm filling it up all the time, you know the, the placebo effect. Um, I'm sure you've heard of the placebo effect, but according to WebMD MD and Harvard Health, very well mined, Wikipedia, they all agree that the placebo effect is very real. Um, and what it is, if you don't know, is they'll have doctors that give you just a little sugar pill that's got no medication in it at all. It's just a little pill, you know, with a little bit of water or sugar or something in it that's no medication. And they tell you this is going to treat whatever's wrong with you. And you get healed from the belief of it. And it's really no, there's no medication that they're giving you. You didn't get healed by the pill. You got healed by the belief in the pill. And they say that all those names that I just named, they all have articles that say that at least one-third of all medical intervention is healing due to the placebo effect. 
it causes you to think positive thoughts about your ailment, about your situation. It causes you to think, yeah, that doctor gave me a medicine and he said it's going to kick in within two days and I'm going to start feeling better. And you start telling people, oh, how you feeling, man? How's your leg feeling? Oh, it's going to feel much better because now they got me on these antibiotics. And you start speaking these positive thoughts and your mind starts thinking I'm going to be here in two days. I'm going to start feeling better. In two days you wake up and you do feel better. Right? And it's what's known as the placebo effect. And then... You start speaking it. You start feeling better. It's working. And then you think, man, my doctor's a genius. He knew exactly what to give me. Really just tricked you into first thinking the right thing and then speaking the right thing. So he is a genius, but it's not because of whatever was in that pill. So we've all probably heard of the placebo effect because it's this crazy thing. But, you know, there's an opposite to that. Negative thinking is equally as powerful in regard to affecting your biology. A negative thought is called the nocebo effect, and it can cause any disease, and you can die from it. Wait. You can die from a belief? Yeah, according to WebMD, Harvard Health, Very Well Mind, Wikipedia, they all agree. Yep, you can die from a belief. Psychologists say that 70% or more of our thoughts are negative and redundant. So you think negative thoughts and then you repeat the same negative thoughts and you repeat them over and over and over. Doctors and psychologists agree that thoughts, positive or negative, shape our biology. And the words that we speak are the fruit of the tree, right? The tree of your life. The words that you speak are the fruit coming out of the abundance of the heart. They're coming off the roots, and, and you're eating that fruit every day. The words that you speak could be a really good thing, could be a really bad thing. If you skip on down, just staying in Romans 10, if you skip down, it's a familiar verse, um, verse 17 says, so then faith, or belief, cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So think about that for a minute. If faith, we all want faith, right? We want to build our faith. We want to grow our faith. We talked about faith a lot in the last couple months, it seems like, and, and trusting God, stepping out in faith, and believing God, and, and really believing Him. So we want that faith. Well, faith comes by hearing. You don't hear thoughts. Right? You have to speak it. You say it. You know how I build my faith about something? I'll start talking to people about it. Start getting it out there even if it scares me. Start speaking it. And see, not only does that hold me accountable, not only does it get it out there to other people, right? I start to hear it with my own ears. It starts to make me believe because I trust me and you trust you, right? You believe you more than anyone in the world. That's the truth. Whatever you tell yourself, even if it's not true, you can convince yourself of it because you trust you. You believe you. So that's why it's so powerful 
if you will step out in faith and start saying what God says out loud, your own ears and brain hears you say it and you believe it. You say, yeah. And it starts to grow your faith and your strength. It's almost like a hack. It's like you're tricking yourself into believing what God said because you're choosing to say what God said. And you can convince yourself of anything if you say it long enough and you start to believe it. So I'm telling you, if you'll start to say the things that God says and reject the lies and stop talking about how broken down and wore out and beat up you are and how you're not going anywhere and you're in a dead-end job, and if you just start to say some, some faith statements about yourself and about your family and about your marriage and about your relationships and about... And about the people that you're trying to help. And I'm not talking about sticking your head in the sand and acting like everything's rainbows and butterflies. I know there's problems. right? We all face pain and we face brokenness and we live in a fallen world with sin. And so please hear me. I'm, I'm not saying just to act like nothing ever goes wrong. Because it does. And it's okay to, to process that and walk through it. But don't let that be your just every day and just every word that comes out your mouth. You're the person that those people that can really light up a room when they walk out. <laughs> we don't want to be that person, right? We don't want to be that one. See, what you speak matters. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing the Word of God. So, when you believe it, you speak it. Paul told us that in 2 Corinthians 4.13. It says, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore we speak. He said, hey, I believe it, so I speak it. I say it out loud. I'm not an undercover Christian. I saw somebody put up on uh, social media this past week. I thought it was kind of funny. They put up, um, God, now i got to remember what it was. Uh, it said, if you were accused of being a, a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? It really makes you think about your life. Like, okay, if you think of it in that way, like if it was a, being accused of being a Christian like it was a crime, is there even evidence in your life? Like if I followed you around to your work and, I sat in the passenger seat of your truck while you were riding around for the next three days. And like, would there be any evidence that you're a Christian or is it just something you're saying? If you believe it, eventually you're going to speak it. It's going to come out your mouth. If it's a real belief. If it's something that you're, you're sold on, that you really believe. So my voice, me standing up here with this microphone, preaching to you guys and saying what I feel like God laid on my heart and what God's speaking to me and then usually it ministers to y'all my voice can stir your faith which is a pretty cool thing right the things that I choose to stand up here and say can stir your faith but your voice will activate your faith see my voice can't activate Patrick's faith Patrick has to use his voice for that I could stir his faith with my voice, and he could stir my faith with his voice. But see, my faith is activated when I use my voice. That's how God set it up. 
right? Because I'm supposed to use my voice and you're supposed to use your voice. Not that we're all supposed to stand up here with a microphone because it would get real crowded if we were all up here trying to talk right now. You're supposed to use your voice in the world that you're in. You use your voice and then your faith is activated. Recently, um, neuroscientists did a study and they have discovered that the most powerful and effective way to rehab the brain is through voice activation. See, a portion of the body may respond to stimuli. Like when a person's in a coma, they may rub the bottom of the foot to see if there's any reaction or response. But only parts of the body will respond to stimuli. But they have recently found that the whole body responds to a voice or to words. Your whole body will respond to a familiar voice or uh, it triggers things and it can jumpstart your brain, get you back going. That's how powerful the voice and the words, it's more powerful than touch. So it starts in your mind. It starts at the core of you. It starts as a thought and then it comes out your mouth and then your body follows the thing that your mouth says. That's how you speak it And then eventually, you see it. The more you speak it, the more you begin to see it. You don't wait until you see it to then say it. As Christians, we look and see the future and God reveals to us what is to come and we say it and then we see it. That's faith. That's trust. That's stepping out. What you believe, you speak. In Joel 2, I always think it's, it's such a cool scripture because they're preparing for battle and they're really like, it seems like in the natural they're going to get their butts kicked because they're trying to use a bunch of farmers and stuff to go to war and these dudes don't have the right weapons and they're, not, they're really not fighters, right? They're not soldiers. These are just some farmers and sheep herders and stuff. And in Joel chapter 2, I'm sure you've heard it before, but it says, when, when God was giving them the instructions, he said, let the weak say, I am strong. Huh? He said, look, get everybody that's weak over here because we need to win this battle. And here's what I want them to do. Not have MMA training. Not get them over here and teach them how to shoot a gun. He said, you start telling all them weak ones, they need to start saying with their mouth, I am strong. I am strong. And it worked. They won the battle. Matters what you say. You will eventually see it. So your faith is voice activated. Your faith is weak. Maybe you've not been using your voice. Look at Matthew 8, 5. We're going to look at what Jesus said. In Matthew 8, 5. I'm going to show you a couple different things that Jesus said about this in Matthew and and in Mark. As Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a Roman captain came up in a panic and said, Master, my servant is sick. He can't walk. He's in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. Oh, no, said the captain. 
I don't want to put you to all that trouble. Just give the order and my servant will be fine. King James words it uh, says it like this. Speak the word only. This man said, oh, Jesus, you don't have to go to the trouble of coming to my house. You don't have to come over there or anything. If you just speak it, I know that he'll be healed. I know that your words, Jesus, that your words are so powerful. Like, you don't even have to come there and lay hands on him. You don't, I know you do miracles in all different ways. And so, but if you just speak it, he would be healed. And... Side note, all the miracles that Jesus did, do you notice? Like if you go just pull up a list of miracles that Jesus did and go look at them in your Bible and how he was always asking people to do different things. And some of them he asked, what is it that you want? He would ask a blind man, do you want to see? Or he would, you know, pick up mud and rub it in their eyes or all these different things. Well, I think because he wanted them to, to have the faith to say it. Look at Jesus' response to this. This centurion, this captain said, all you have to do is speak. You don't have to come. I'm a man who takes orders and gives orders. I tell one soldier, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. To my slave, do this, and he does it. I'm a man under authority and over authority. I know how to lead, and I know how to follow. That's what he told Jesus. That should be all of us. If you can't follow, there's a problem. If you're not leading, there's a problem. Verse 10, taken back, Jesus said, I have yet to come across this kind of simple trust or faith in all of Israel. The very people who are supposed to know all about God and how he works, this man is the vineyard of my outsiders who will soon be coming from all directions, streaming in from the east and pouring in from the west and sitting down at God's kingdom banquet alongside Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And then those who grew up in the faith but had no faith will find themselves out in the cold, outsiders to grace and wondering what happened. Then Jesus turned to the captain and he said, Go. What you believed could happen has happened. And at that moment, his servant became well. In a word. Because he believed it. And he used his words to say to Jesus, I believe all you have to do is say it. Right? It wasn't just Jesus' word. See, I've read that before and thought, man, how powerful Jesus' word was that he healed the servant. But the word that the centurion captain spoke was a word of faith. It was a word that Jesus, I believe you're more powerful than anything I've ever seen. Jesus had never done a miracle like that. Jesus didn't airmail miracles. Uh, he was there on the spot, laid hands on him and stuff up until that point. So this had never been done before. And he spoke the word. Mark eleven twenty. And in the morning as they... 
passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. See, before this, Jesus, sorry, I should give you a little bit of context. The day before, Jesus and the disciples were passing by this fig tree, and they saw a big leafy tree, and it was a time where it should have been full of ripe figs, and they were all starving, and Jesus was really excited about getting some figs, and they walked over to the fig tree, and there was no figs on it, and so Jesus cursed it with his words. Cursed the tree. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. From what? From words. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursedest is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shalt not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. So imagine this scene, right? There's a crowd gathering and Jesus is starting to teach and they're having a little church service. Jesus is preaching on faith and he's got an object lesson. Jesus set up the object lesson the day before by cursing the tree, made sure the disciples heard. They come back by, Peter notices, hey, that tree. And Jesus is using it to, to speak to them about faith. They're like, yes, this is a powerful thing. He's teaching us the power of the words. Curse that tree and, and killed it. So this is a powerful moment. I think about Peter over there after he pointed out the tree. He's probably, amen in Jesus. Come on, Jesus, yeah, tell us. We need to know. We want to know. I think John probably came to the altar crying because that's the kind of, kind of disciple John was. And Thomas probably didn't know if it's, I don't know if it's possible that that mountain could actually be thrown into a sea, you know, thinking about what Jesus just said. Judas is in the back ready to take up the offering when Jesus gets done speaking this powerful message on faith and, and moving everybody because he was in charge of the money, right? Yes, yes. The word of faith. We can move mountains. Yes, yes. It's this big pump up thing. And then Jesus said, in verse 24 and 25, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Wah, wah. Well, Jesus, I thought we were getting pumped up on this powerful message about faith and all the things that we could do. And you said, like, you showed us that you could curse a tree and it would die. And then you said, yeah, and then you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. And we're like, yeah, teach us how. And then you said, you got to forgive everybody. Come on, man. I thought we were talking about the good stuff. I thought we were talking about big things picture Jesus saying we are you better learn how to forgive 
want to move in power. We got to be in relationship. You know what relationship takes after communication? You better learn how to forgive. We're going to do things that are going to hurt each other, and people have probably done things to you, and and we got to forgive if we want to move in power. Jesus mentioned it to the disciples multiple times. We are talking about the powerful stuff. Forgiveness and relationship. Matthew 18. Let's wrap this thing up. This is Jesus talking again. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. He's talking about their words. He's teaching the disciples about this. And this is the second time Jesus taught about it. In the interest of time, we're not going to look at it. But if you want to go look, in Matthew 16, Jesus said this. And then he preaches almost the same message to the disciples again later. And it's not the same time. Like Matthew didn't just record that twice on accident. Jesus said it two different times in two different places. He really wanted the disciples to get this. He was telling them, hey, look, this is part of the kingdom. This is what the kingdom looks like. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask it, shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. If you agree, if you're walking in covenant. Verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth can be loosed in heaven. Jesus is teaching the disciples the importance and the power of their words. That it's not just about this situation and this moment that you're in right now, but your words are so powerful that they can last through eternity. That the destruction that you cause right now can affect Eternity, or the good things that you choose to use your mouth for, right? It can live throughout eternity. Your words are powerful. What you choose to do with words can have eternal effects. You ever heard, sticks and stones can break my bones and words can never hurt me? That's a lie. Words have done a lot more damage than sticks and stones. Right, your body can heal and ultimately one day you'll go to heaven and like words can do a whole lot more damage than sticks and stones. Words are powerful. Did you know that you get a bigger dopamine hit in your brain when you listen to a motivational speech? You get a bigger hit than when you're actually doing the thing that you were motivated to do. Isn't that crazy? And so I can sit here and talk to you about speaking in faith and I can motivate you to do that and your brain is going to be like, yeah, that feels really good. 
then the hard part is having the discipline to actually go be a doer of it. Because you're not feeling that hit of energy when you go and step out in obedience and actually do it. That's why James said, I'll show you my faith by my works. Look at my life. Look at what I'm living out. Because I'm speaking the things that I believe. I'm doing the things that I speak. And I speak the things that I believe. So if people look at your life and they see you doing good works, that probably means you've been speaking in faith. And before you were speaking it, you were feeling You were filling your mind. You were filling your heart. And out of the abundance, things change. Verse 19 and 20, I like how Jesus is talking about binding and loosing. And he's trying to, for the second time, to get this point across to the disciples. And then what we just read, at first I was like, man, that's kind of weird that he... That he followed it up with those two verses. It says, Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. So he's talking about binding and loosening in the keys and the power of your words. And then he immediately starts talking about relationship right if we agree with each other anything that we ask will happen and then where two or three are gathered in my name i'll be there in the midst like i'll come up out of them i'll be there in the middle of them wait jesus what are you talking about jesus is the word john 1 1 tells us last scripture and we're done john 1 1 I love how the Message Bible words it, so I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. It says this, The Word was first. The Word present to God. God present to the Word. The Word was God. In readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through Him. Nothing. Not one thing came into being without him what came into existence was life and the life was light to live by the life light blazed out of the darkness and the darkness couldn't put it out if you skip over to he talks about John the Baptist and then if you skip over to verse 14 it said The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. The one of a kind glory, like father, like son. Generous inside and out. True from start to finish. So Jesus is the word. And as Christians, Jesus is number one. He's the center. He's supposed to be the center of our life. And he lives inside of us and he's the center of everything that we do. Right? And so when we get together and when we agree and, and when two or three or more are gathered in his name and, and God said, I'll be there in the midst, I'll come up out of you. How does that usually happen? Through words. We get together and we sing worship songs about what God says about us or who God really is or truth. We sing and the words come up out of our mouth or 
I read the scripture and the words are coming up out of our mouth. And Jesus is the word. And so when we're agreeing with God and we're saying what God said and we're prophesying and we're repeating things that God said and we're singing songs that sing about our God and who we are and, and about faith and hope and love and freedom, then Jesus is that word that comes up in the midst of us and connects us and binds us and gives us the kind of faith that can move mountains, that can do the impossible that can heal the broken, that can change lives, that can change situations, that can change circumstances, that, that can do what we could never do on our own. That's the power of community. That's the power of connection. That's the power of relationship. And the power of relationship when Jesus and the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us, when we connect, that's what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples. Man, you're so powerful and you don't even know it. Your words, when you get together and when you connect with somebody else that believes and, and you're both speaking the things that God says and you're speaking the truth, mountains will move. Giants will fall. Things will change. Kingdoms will fall and rise. And I will do great things. What if you really understood the power of your words? What if we all thought about the words that we speak every day? The words that we speak over ourselves, the words that we speak over our children, the words that we speak over our spouses and our church. That's why part of that warrior contract that a bunch of us are doing, you know, I put in there that you would pray out loud for at least five minutes a day. And I know from talking to some of you guys that, that's been like kind of challenging just because you're not used to praying out loud. It's just not something, just maybe you do pray, but you just pray in your head or you're not used to, but I'm telling you, and I've seen a difference in myself and I know several of you have talked to me about that and like just praying out loud. It starts to change some things, right? You're hearing it. Your words are powerful. You have the power to speak life or death over your home, over your church, over your situation, over your relationships, over your future. Choose life. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you that you created us in your image. God, help us to understand the power that you've placed inside of us really your power who you are and just how powerful you are and and you choose to live inside of us god help us to understand all of the teachings of jesus help us to understand the keys to the kingdom and how to unlock so that we can have a greater impact we can reach more people that we can look more like you that we can love more and serve more, that we can have peace and freedom, that we can help each other when times are hard. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.